expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. Many are questioning the viability of the virtual currency Bitcoin after a number of Bitcoin exchanges fell victim to hacking thefts and later shut down. Others point to concerns about the currency's volatility and its potential as a way to launder money. However, some members of Taiwan's business community say the currency should not be shunned. Instead, they're hoping the government will avoid over-regulation to allow room for more Bitcoin business here in Taiwan. To help us understand Taiwan's current stance on Bitcoins and to make the case for a larger Bitcoin market, we're joined by Nathan Kaiser. He's currently a supervisor at the European Chamber of Commerce and a Swiss lawyer practicing in Shanghai, Taipei and Hong Kong. He's also a Bitcoin entrepreneur. Nathan Kaiser, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. So Bitcoin, just so our listeners know, is a digital currency that, unlike conventional money, is bought and sold on a peer-to-peer network. So that just means different computers on the network share responsibilities for that data and those transactions to make that trading work. And uh, the key is that it's independent of any central control. So there's no central regulator that's controlling everything. And I was hoping that you could explain to us briefly, what is it that this new currency can do that uh, other kinds of currencies can't necessarily do? Right. Well, I think uh, the innovative and very practical aspect of, of Bitcoin is that it allows for easy transfer of value uh, from somebody to somebody else. I'll give you an example. If I were to want to give you 100 US dollars right now, and I wouldn't have it in my pocket... I could use my phone to send you the $100 and you would receive them immediately. And this is simply not possible through a bank because I couldn't access uh, my bank account through my phone and you can neither. And uh, so that works also across any any borders. So for example, if, if I were to send your friend in the US, let's call it a, a very small sum, $5, I could do that right now. You would give me with your phone the address, the Bitcoin address, receiving address of your friend in the US. I would take my phone, I would input it, and five seconds later or 10 seconds later, your friend in the US would have $5 worth of money or Bitcoin. And it's very clear that normal currencies and the normal financial system and, and banking system does not allow to do that. It's, it's simply impossible, notably in Taiwan, to send $5 from Taiwan to the US because the transaction fees are, are, are way more than $5. With Bitcoin, I could send 10 Taiwan dollars from here to Hong Kong within 10 seconds. Uh, not at no fees, uh, but at very, very low fees. It's called micropayments. So basically, uh, Bitcoin allows for micropayments, uh, micro being really small amounts. For Bitcoin, it would allow for maybe 10 uh, Taiwan dollars or maybe two or three Taiwan dollars to be sent across the world more or less instantly at no or very, very low transaction costs. So uh, the technological background of Bitcoin is the really interesting aspect. It's not that it's not regulated, but that helps. It's something new. It goes beyond what, what has existed before. And so that new concept allows for something that is just probably not feasible with fiat currencies. I mean, to transfer Taiwan dollars to Hong Kong through the current system simply involves too many players, maybe too many regulations, too many fees, and too much infrastructure. Probably the infrastructure itself that is simply necessary to do it is too costly, while the uh, Bitcoin setup 
involves a much lighter infrastructure that just lowers transaction costs. Now, bringing it back to Taiwan, what would be the advantages of having a, a larger Bitcoin business going on in Taiwan? Right. So Taiwan is uh, historically and in many aspects isolated. And that's something that Taiwanese businesses, Taiwanese individuals, Taiwanese residents have to cope with every day. And Bitcoin addresses at least part of this isolation because it is by very definition not subject to any border control and not subject to any transaction costs uh, when it comes to cross-border interaction. So just really, again, Taiwan-specific, Bitcoin would allow Taiwan businesses and residents to be more easily integrated at no costs with the international business community. Yeah, Again, uh, it's not just businesses, it's also individuals. When you talk about, for example, the simple wiring of small sums within the family, you know, you have a family member who studies in Europe or in the US or Southeast Asia and so on, or somebody needs money on a short-term basis. Bitcoin allows you to right away from your mobile phone send $5, $500, $5,000 to anybody that you know anywhere in the world. And I think Taiwan, that has such a large part of its population outside of, uh, of Taiwan, uh, like many other countries, clearly has a need for such transactions. What about on the business side of this? Why would businesses want this kind of Bitcoin business to be going on in Taiwan? I think different businesses have, have different needs. No? So you look at, at different uh, types of business or industries. And you look at the pure merchants uh, retailing. The acceptance of Bitcoin by a merchant has the simple advantage of having lower transaction costs, lower fees, faster processing. Uh, very often a Bitcoin payment goes through faster than a credit card payment. And a much simpler IT architecture for a uh, Bitcoin payment solution would be installed at a restaurant or at a, at a shop, at a clothing shop. You really only need a, a old mobile phone. Uh, and I'm not saying that the future Bitcoin uh, infrastructure will be based on old mobile phones, but that's all it, it really takes. So that's for, for retailing. Uh, when it comes to international business, let's talk about Taiwan being that international hub for trading and, and manufacturing that it's been for, for many decades. Uh, Bitcoin allows for easy payment of goods and services uh, uh, internationally. So a trading house or a, a trading uh, company in Taiwan can uh, easily pay for its goods and accept the payments of goods at, at much lower costs and at much more simplicity. So far, Taiwan's Bitcoin trading and business has remained uh, fairly limited, with the Financial Supervisory Commission issuing statements that were a little bit discouraging of the use of the currency. So far, how would you characterize Taiwan's regulations of Bitcoin's use, and how does that compare to other countries? So when it comes to the uh, FSC statement, uh, I think that's a very good point and, and something that needs to be talked about. The statement, when you read it, only cautions uh, about the use of Bitcoin. It, it says that Bitcoins can be stolen, which is correct, that it's volatile, which is correct. And uh, to, to just sum it up, make it very short, I could sign that statement. Any single part of the statement is correct and true. On the other hand, it's not uh, restricting in any way whatsoever businesses uh, in Taiwan to use Bitcoin or be active in the Bitcoin industry. The statement does not in any way restrict the infrastructure for Bitcoin and use of Bitcoin in Taiwan to be built. It, it is not a restrictive or prohibitive statement. It's just a cautionary statement that 
I think the FSC and the central bank are correct to issue. Yeah. Uh, how does that compare internationally? Let's let's say that uh, Taiwan is very much in line, or the Taiwanese authorities are very much in line with Hong Kong, with uh, US, with uh, UK, or or with Singapore. All of which have issued these cautionary uh, statements, but all of which have largely taken an offhand approach. So I was hoping that you could give us a quick summary of what kind of Bitcoin business is currently going on in Taiwan. I think it's fair to say that currently in Taiwan, there's close to to no Bitcoin business uh, at all, with the, uh, very few exceptions of uh, one, the uh, online retailer that has made uh, headlines uh, about a month ago or two months ago uh, that is accepting Bitcoin. And uh, then there are single small shops, but a very small number of it that accept Bitcoins. You can buy ice cream on Dunhuananlu uh, and pay in Bitcoin. This is really just the start. There's close to nothing. When it comes to the piping, the piping is not here yet. And the piping means, first of all, an exchange, one or several exchanges, Bitcoin exchanges. And then, of course, uh, payment processors, third-party payment solutions. Uh, we have nothing in Taiwan right now, and that's that's about to change. So uh, the current situation is there's nothing or, or close to nothing. But it is widely known and not hard to find on the Internet or on the Bitcoin-specific forums and meetings that there's a large number of people from single individuals to groups with substantial funding behind them who are building this infrastructure, this piping right now. So I think the most important missing part is really the exchange uh, or, or several exchanges. And there are uh, several groups, I think four, five, six groups from what I hear, who are building Bitcoin exchanges. And uh, I expect a lot to happen in the Bitcoin industry uh, in Taiwan within the next few weeks. And uh, we should mention, actually, you yourself are interested in, in getting in on this business a little bit. Can you tell uh, about what kind of plans you have in the works? Right. Just on a, you can call it for fun or as a hobby, a couple of friends of mine and myself, we have uh, bought a uh, vending machine or a Bitcoin dispenser which we hope to be operating soon. Maybe at the time of that interview being aired, it'll be operative already. And uh, so we want to do this to show how easy the use and the purchase of Bitcoin is in practice. It's actually nothing magical. It's nothing wild and crazy. It's simple. It's like a Coke machine. You go there, uh, you put in 100 NT and you get your Bitcoin on your phone within uh, a couple seconds and you're ready to use your Bitcoin. We want to prove to the public and maybe the regulators and all that, that it's nothing to worry about. It's a very simple, straightforward thing. So like you said, there are not many restrictions on what kind of Bitcoin business can go on in Taiwan. Are, are there any potential regulations that people who are interested in getting into this industry are worried about? I think it's easy to always regulate anything to death. You know? So uh, uh, as, a, as, a, as a lawyer and as a liberal thinking lawyer, we all know that you can regulate anything and micromanage anything and it will it will it will kill it whatever industry that is so uh authorities should tread lightly that's for sure uh, one specific issue that needs clarification in, in my view in taiwan but also in other countries is really the, the taxation part how do you tax uh, bitcoins and, and the trading and use of bitcoins and uh, very fortunately, we just have had a, uh, an update from the uh, UK authorities, which have explained that under their interpretation of the EU 
uh, European Union VAT directive, so the value added tax directive. They think that the, the use of Bitcoin, trading of Bitcoin, uh, sending of Bitcoin is not subject to value added tax, which is a very welcome uh, clarification, specifically with regard to the UK. But naturally, because it is uh, inter interpreting uh, EU law, something that might be uh, generally applied within the EU. And this is, uh, again, this is very welcome. And this is something that we hope uh, Taiwan will eventually follow because uh, as with all business transactions, the taxations of, of businesses and how you tax and what you tax and on what basis is a crucial element. And what the business community wants is, is, is clarity. They want to they wanna know what they're being taxed uh, on and, and what they're being taxed for. So just getting into the concerns that people have about Bitcoin, late last year, the Financial Supervisory Commission and the Central Bank issued a joint statement warning of the risks of Bitcoin use. We already mentioned this earlier, and their concerns seem to be borne out to some extent in light of the recent bankruptcy of Bitcoin exchange Mt. Gox after it fell prey to virtual theft of its Bitcoins. What do you make of these concerns about Bitcoins and can they be addressed? I think all these concerns are legitimate, and it is true that uh, Bitcoin and the use of Bitcoin by individuals and by companies needs education and education with regard to security. So security is a concern. I mean, uh, like everybody says, you shouldn't plow all of your uh, life savings into Bitcoin. And if you did, you should be very uh, secure in, in how you go about it. So education is an issue, uh, consumer products that facilitate backups and secure transactions and so on are an issue. When it comes specifically to exchanges, there is a, I would say, a broad understanding within the Bitcoin community that the exchanges and the way exchanges work and, and maybe are regulated or not regulated is something that needs to be addressed. And uh, so regulators tend to say that they want to regulate Bitcoin or aim at possible regulation for Bitcoin due to consumer protection concerns. And this is very correct. And uh, that's what regulators are for. They are there to protect individuals and consumers. And this will eventually lead to some sort of regulation of Bitcoin. When, where and how is hard to say, but I personally, as a lawyer, think, yes, there is a need to regulate some things in, in some ways. It's all a question of degree. We've been speaking to Nathan Kaiser. He's currently a supervisor at the European Chamber of Commerce and a Bitcoin entrepreneur. Nathan Kaiser, thanks so much for joining us. Keith, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review us on iTunes. This helps us bring you the kind of shows you want to hear and makes it easier for other people to discover the program. For ICRT, I'm Keith Menconi.